Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we have got a very exciting guest in Nick Brokema, who if you're not sure um, who Nick is, then go check him out on LinkedIn. He's been a, a lurker on LinkedIn for around nine years until he decided to move out of the shadows um, and has been more active on the platform for the past seven months or so. Before that, um, Nick ran a 10-man agency, which he's now sold. Um, and was the interim design lead for two tech brands on Unicorn Track um, and has been a solopreneur for many years since then. Um, we're going to get a bit into the tech brands. But Nick, thanks for joining me. And uh, I'll, I'll sort of let you kick things off uh, and tell people a bit about yourself. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. Um, really like to be on the show. So, yeah, you already mentioned this, but. Um, when I was in college, I started my first business uh, as a freelancer. Uh, I created logos, very, very awful ones. And um, but I gradually got better, got more clients. And um, and I met someone who became my co-founder. He was uh, someone who created WordPress websites. So we basically had this full package of uh, logo identity, branding, um, brand strategy and creating websites. And we did that for a good six years. And as you mentioned, we grew it to a team of 10. And yeah, in 2018, we decided to sell it. Uh, to sell it. And um, it was a modest exit. Like, uh, uh, yeah, we had a good run. Uh, he, he decided to go uh, work for a, a former client of us. And I um, went back into freelancing. And I did that for a few months. And then I got asked to become uh, an interim creative director at Bloomridge. Um, did that for nine months. Then uh, I was asked to become a head of design at FinTech OS, which is obviously a FinTech brand. And like, yeah, like you said, last year, I think it was about uh, somewhere in, in August, I decided to go full throttle on LinkedIn, meaning one post a day or like, let's say five, post a week and like really get out of the shadows and, and interact with other people and obviously there's also like a monetization incentive there um and it has been a lot of fun yeah cool um and like i think a lot of people i'm starting to see a lot more people in a similar position that um, linkedin has changed a lot recently and we're starting to see more creators um be more active and, and stuff like that and it's just a real cool time to meet people like yourself and, and different creators in different spaces we had a chat a week or so ago and uh and you were telling me about the two brands you just mentioned you're telling me about the the, the projects that you took on with them and uh and sort of um building brands up and rebranding and stuff like that so i guess i'll sort of hand over to you and let you kick things off tell us a little bit about the uh the projects that you had there and, and how you approach um building brand i suppose yeah sure so the, the the first company that i mentioned that i was doing an interim uh position for was uh, bloomreach so bloomreach is a martech uh they help businesses through personalized e-commerce experiences and when i started working for them they were valued at valued at 400 million us dollars and now currently they have past the unicorn mark uh i think it's like 2.2 billion dollars at the moment um can't take full credit for that but uh <laughs> it was uh but, but some of it deserved, I'm hopefully, sure. <laughs> hopefully there's a part of my contribution there it would be really like a lot of 
fine. But um, yeah, so it's a pretty big scale up. They have uh, companies or uh, offices in Silicon Valley, uh, in Amsterdam, uh, London, Bratislava, India, and uh, Prague. So when I first started there, I was assigned to build a creative team. So uh, yeah, you think about the creative um, designers, visual designers, motion designers, uh, developers, um, like let's say like a hybrid kind of uh, collaboration with people uh, working remotely and also in-house. And I worked from the uh, the office in Amsterdam with, with uh, that had about 90 people there working there uh, pre-COVID, I would say. Um, so yeah, we did. We started off with a, a brand identity revamp, so we couldn't really touch the logo or the, the color scheme. So we had to a little bit, you know, had to be creative there and create something that was fresh and modern, but still had uh, like um, uh, a relation with the, the, the current brand that they have. Um, so it was a huge project. Like initially, I started on my own, and then. Like I said, I had to build a team. We had to produce hundreds of brand assets, uh, new brand guidelines. Um, we built a marketplace platform. Um, we redesigned the corporate website. Uh, we created a, a careers platform. And also uh, I co-organized uh, an early life event with about 700 uh, attendees in Amsterdam. Quite a big suite of stuff there um, that you sort of worked on. I guess that there was um, a big part of that was working um, like on the on the strategy and the principles and like the the in house like training as well as just like graphic design and stuff like that, right? Yeah, definitely. So like a rebranding in, in that on that scale is not the same as you have a project for let's say like a small business um so this is pretty intense you also have multiple offices and rebranding is not just a project but it's i would say it's more like a campaign because uh you yes there's definitely like a big production thing going on but you also need to talk to the right people there's some uh, politics involved there's some like you have to be diplomatic there you want to minimize the number of key decision makers because if you make it like a, a voting contest you'll never finish anything. And um, it's also kind of a sensitive thing, right? Because there's a lot of people involved, uh, the company or the office that I was located, um, they just were acquired. So it used to be Hippo CMS. And sure. now they were taken over from a, a company from the United States. Um, so there was there was still memorabilia there and like it was a pretty sensitive thing. So um, it's a pretty challenging thing to yes to uh, involve certain individuals but also take the lead and say like okay um we, we're going to ask some opinions and we're going to ask you like what is important we also have to trust us to do our jobs the best what we can otherwise we're never going to be able to finish anything of course so, yeah no that makes a lot of sense um and like i mean it's a two-way relationship but ultimately you've been brought in to do a job right just touching on like embedding brand guidelines at that kind of scale when you're dealing with um this sort of pre-existing culture uh, how do you approach something like that well first you have to make a, like an, an inventory of all the existing assets and back then it weren't that many so you, you're, you can 
think about like you have the logo, you have the logo kit, you have the media kit. There's slide decks, there's uh, digital banners, like the basic stuff. But um, as a startup becomes a scale up, you'll get these growing pains because they have the like the usual media kits and, and the stuff that I just described. But they also want to scale to uh, coordinating and producing big, more assets, like on a larger scale. And you also need a system to have like let's say one slide deck template and then you want to share this with other employees and then you have to basically instruct them how to work with it and you know uh, provide documentation and now you've now you have things like loom we didn't really use it back then i think it was in 2019 sure. i'm sure there was something else but we didn't thought, think about stuff like loom and then you also have to present these kind of things right you have to share them um you also really have to think about how are we going to communicate this with the other employees not just within the same building but also in different offices because as you probably know if you send out an email or a memo um like people are busy they don't really they they, they see they see the title or they see the subject and it's like oh with rebranding oh yeah sure I'll, I'll take a look at it later or sure. a new slide deck yeah that sounds fun but um yeah i i'll take a look at it later or i'm busy so um that's something that i kind of struggled with in the beginning um especially at bloom Ridge. and that's something that we uh worked more uh how do i say this constructively on in the other company that i work with sure so definitely lessons learned there that was sort of taken forward um for yourself uh, and your team as well um that's really interesting um and i suppose it makes complete sense i mean i can't imagine trying to manage something at that kind of scale um personally but like it makes like the internal communications is something that that really matters right and trying to embed the idea that because brand is important to every aspect of the business obviously trying to embed that understanding to teams that might not necessarily feel that way or or be aware that brand affects them um it, it is definitely a challenge right definitely yeah yeah cool um so so that's bloom reach um really really interesting the kind of stuff that you're doing over there um do you want to touch a little bit on um the work that you did with fintech yeah sure so fintech os i worked there for a little shy of two years between 2020 and 2022 and I was an interim head of design there. It was kind of a similar project to uh, Bloomridge. And yeah, FinTech, FinTech OS is a FinTech that helps banks and insurers uh, with building API-like financial products like BNPL, like a buy now, pay later. And they basically, they create software that they can put on uh, legacy software so they don't have to replace it. It's kind of a technical story, but that's basically what they do in a nutshell. Um, so it's a company currently valued at, I think, 300 million US dollars. Uh, and there, it's also a goal of them to become a unicorn. And I joined the company at the time that they were um, were in the race for Series B. So I think it was uh, Series B, they got like $60 million in investments or in funding. Um, and we had to yeah, basically prep this from a visual point of view as well. So that was a really cool project. It was very time intensive as well because we had this deadline of uh, doing the announcement 
And um, yeah, I think we had only like a couple of weeks. So it's not something that like a rebrand that we did by the book. But yeah, um, yeah it was it was your typical, very stressful uh, rebranding project. And yeah, like not, that was strategy. Um, it could have been more, I would say. Yeah. It could have been more interviews, but I think we did a great job. And um, one of the milestones in my career, I would say, is that they um, did the announcement with the new logo that I created on Times Square. It was like a huge banner. And yeah, that's showed cool. it on television and on like online. Um, so that was that was really cool. So basically, what we did there was uh, a full corporate rebranding, and just like Bloomreach, we had to touch on like hundreds of brand assets, like banners and multiple slide decks, and uh, creating assets for multiple divisions or multiple departments, if you will. And when I just joined there, I was the first marketing team member alongside the, the director who was building the entire marketing team. And it was my job to build a, the creative team uh, very much like Bloomridge. So uh, the marketing team grew to, I would say 15 to 20 people very quickly. Um, so lots of growing pains, lots of things to, to, to figure out. Like you, there's, you have to think about this, like there is not communication processes, there are not, no SOPs. We're all kind of figuring out what kind of systems we should enable. So it's uh, a very fun challenge, but also, yeah, like I, I, I noticed that there's two kinds of people in this kind of space. And those are the ones who are looking for an established company where everything is already like worked out and they already, all the, yep. uh, Disease, like how do you say this, the kit diseases or something that they, they already uh, went through and then like everything is basically just settled. And then there's the people who like to do the startup way and figure stuff out, create processes, you know, have the liberty and the freedom to define your own workflows. And I, I would say I'm more of one of those kind of people. Um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, and I also noticed like there were people cut out for it, and there were people who were really cut out for it, and uh, so it was a pretty um, uh, intense period, but a lot like a lot of fun. Yeah, no, it sounds it. Um, I just want to go back and touch on a couple of things that you brought up there. So, like the first thing, um, and it's something that I've been more and more aware of recently, is like i'm always amazed by these short turnaround windows like the when a company even a big company that or, or, or big startup that's um seems to be quite well put together when it comes time to raising funding the amount of them that leave it to the last minute to start thinking about rebranding and marketing and stuff like that um it's just crazy to me and like the turnarounds on those short windows um obviously it doesn't leave a lot of breathing room for strategy but it sounds like obviously you 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 did a good job with it. What were the key takeaways from like trying to do a, a rebrand and trying to build that marketing team with such a short window? Um, so you have to set up a couple of rules, right? And I had, I've done, dealt with a lot of, let's say commercial projects, like short-term projects of four, three to four months. And I was always very strict to my clients uh, also on their behalf, because I wanted to say, I always said like, okay, I'm going to give you like, maybe one or two revision rounds respectfully. And then we need to continue, like we need to move on um, because otherwise we're gonna lose time and delays. You don't wanna be ending up in a feedback loop because it's like a never, never ending story. And when I just 
started out like a, as a freelancer, I had no boundaries at all. I, I just accepted everything that they asked me and projects were never finished. And it, it, it causes a lot of frustration for like for, for myself, but also for the client because they need guidance. Like they need to be um, guided through this whole process. And that's kind of the way that I approach this as well. And you can do this to a certain extent. There's like you have to work with uh, team members within the marketing team, within the creative team, also with other teams. Um, um, and and that's like on a not from a hierarchy point of view, you can go get away with a lot of like pushback and tell them like, hey, you, I, I'm consider you as a client, and we need to stay on track. But if you have to deal with uh, C-level executives, you can't really say like, hey, man, listen. Uh, we're going to do it my way, and uh, you have you have two revision rounds. Uh, that's not that's not how it works. So um, ideally, it would be, but that in that context, my advice would be like these people are very hard to uh, get a hold of. So you need to uh, involve them, not too often, but on the most crucial moments. Like uh, if you're going to define targets and goals, and um, uh, you need to define a few touch points who are crucial for like moving forward. And I would say that that's like very important if you have to deal with people from higher places, if you can say it like that. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Sort of uh, make sure you've got a good relationship with those people, but then at the same time, um, don't be bugging them about every little thing and just make sure that you, you know, you're sending them the most crucial stuff that's, that's sort of ready to go. Yeah, definitely. I think like one thing that I learned um, is that politics or like being diplomatic in, in if you have to deal with buy-ins and stuff uh, or getting approval for something that you know, totally depends on how you speak to people because you can uh, negotiate or explain or present stuff to like fellow fellow team members but if you have to deal with someone who doesn't really have a lot of time but does have a lot of authority and a lot of saying in the whole process then you have to ask them um, yes or no questions, right? You have to make it easy on them. You have to optimize the, the decision-making process. And you have to keep the windows very short. Um, you can't expect someone uh, on that level to be in a, in a meeting for an hour. Sometimes it would just be just 10 minutes, walk through the whole thing, and then just keep on uh, going. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. That's really cool. Um, I, I think I love the fact that you touched on like, internal politics and just like everything comes back down to communication right um everything is how you present yourself how you uh present your ideas and uh and how you negotiate those situations definitely uh, yeah do you want to talk us through some of the learnings that you've taken from both of those um to sort of developed and, and the things that you carry forward with you now yeah absolutely so i might have already mentioned a few of them but i'll just go kind of through the the key sure, yeah. that i that i uh, kind of remember so um yeah rebranding is a very delicate thing you you can't just walk through the office and, and like any and, and standing in the coffee machine and drop the word rebranding it's a very sensitive thing like it's it's a super expensive uh thing to do uh like there's a lot of people emotions involved and it's a lot of work so um you have to be very cautious about like is it a revamp is it a total redesign is it a rebranding so that that, that kind of like semantics is crucial uh, also in like if you have meetings and stuff so 
Um, yeah, as a design lead, I would say you need to be uh, not not necessarily the designer, but more of a, a diplomat because you have to deal with a lot of people within the company and also external exter uh, stakeholders. Project management was, I wouldn't say it was new to me, but it's something that is very important to do because you have to like you not only do your project management for for your own tasks, but also for other people, and you also have to communicate this with. Uh, um, external or in, in, in general stakeholders. And then there's a thing called uh, leadership. So I already dealt with this when I was running my agency, but it's it's like a whole new ball game if you have this management uh, position. Um, you have to be a good communicator for sure. Uh, and the, the, the funny thing is, and I, I, I'm sure that other pe people in this position can relate with this too, you have to move away from uh, the doing the executional stuff. Like I was a creative director, but I, in the beginning I was, I created a lot of stuff myself, but um, at some point people expect you to step up and be become this leader and manage stuff and don't do the executional stuff because you simply don't have the time to do it. And you also need to make this stuff uh, scalable. So um, yeah, in terms of project management, uh, I'm not sure how much time you have, but I got a whole thing uh, this, this is like a whole different topic, but for a new topic. But um, I would definitely advise people to do sprints, like two week sprints, and do daily stand ups and keep it short and do huddles, sure. like do the scrum way, I would say. Um, getting a buy in takes time, like it takes tactics, you know, it takes pitching, it takes meetings, uh, a lot of talking, a lot of politics. Um, one thing that I remember is that you know, if you if you want to if you want to get help, help others first. So uh, like connect with people in meetings, uh, do coffee dates, very much like LinkedIn. I would say uh, look for complementary benefits. Um, and one thing that I also think was very um, challenging is turn your employees into brand evangelists, right? it's hard because you have to educate people you have to share and create resources you have to explain all these things and yeah um i remember that we had first initially we, we used sharepoint for instance um sharepoint is like part of the the, the microsoft suite and it's basically a, a database with all the resources that we had but you also have to design it you have to involve people and show them uh, where uh, where they can find stuff and how it works um, that's like a whole different topic that uh that does nothing to do with design but still needs to be done in order to have people work with it su uh, successfully um, yeah. another one would be avoid dealing uh avoid assumptions uh, there's a lot of assumption assumption going on within teams and you know they always focus on the customer or the end user uh, interview it's, I wouldn't say as much or many people as you can, but definitely like five to 10 um, that are your customers, but also within all the layers of the company because people from, for instance, the customer service department, they have super valuable information about uh, customers because they have to deal with them every day. Um, and yeah, like interview directors, fellow uh, team members, like super important stuff. Another thing I would say is that uh, there, um, there's, a, there's a lot of companies out there who have siloed 
teams. There's a sales department, there's a marketing department, there's like finance, there's HR, uh, all that kind of stuff. And it's super crucial to work together and have this, let's say I call it like a feedback loop and that they yeah. uh, like, the, the, the sales department, they have something interesting to say and they actually need like marketing assets in order to do their job well. And, but it's also the other way around. And it's yeah very important that these people, these teams, they um, are not siloed off from each other, but uh, have frequent touch points and exchange information, exchange analytics, uh, data, findings, like uh, any, anything to improve on a continuous level. Um, yeah. Yeah, so final thing as, you know, as a design lead, I think I already touched this a little bit, but um, it's it, it's better to act like a business person rather than a, a marketing design person because you speak different languages. If you have to deal with uh, multiple stakeholders, you can just do a presentation and talk about how how you like the colors and what how amazing this font is. You need to talk about like brand ROI and um, uh, how you can make the, the brand more recognizable, uh, which turns into multiple more leads uh, or sales. Um, so yeah, I think, it's you know. It's like you said at the start, right? Like these brand revamps and brand redesigns, like they're not, um, you know, it's not a cheap thing to do, not in terms of time or, or, or finances usually. So it, the businesses that are going through that process, they want to know where their money's going and what investment they're going to get back from doing it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's a, it's a super expensive thing to do. It takes a lot of time. It takes it takes a lot of manpower. Um, that's why I also ask uh, in any situation in, in terms of rebranding, like, is why are you doing this rebranding? Is it necessary? Like, uh, what what's the underlying problem or frustration? Uh, are you sure that this is the focus point that you want to uh, like be focused on for the upcoming, let's say, three three to six months, or maybe even a year? yeah yeah i love that makes a lot of sense and just like understanding your goals understanding your purpose uh, uh, and understanding your audience all gets tied back into that as well um so i love that the other thing that i think um everything that you've mentioned there it seems again it seems like there seems to be like there's this continuing theme whether you're working in freelance or whether you're working with these larger organizations everything comes back to um human relations communication and breaking down those sort of barriers to make sure that everybody's on the same page um and i think that's just something that's really important regardless of whatever you're working on right yeah absolutely uh, i think it's a funny thing like the, i've met tons of designers or other, any other experts and for some reason the people who are great communicators like they can get away with being a little bit uh like less of an expert or less experienced because it, it just opens more windows and you can be the like the geekiest or nerdiest designer out there with a, with a, with a lot of technical knowledge if you don't know how to communicate with a with like various people it doesn't it will get you to a certain extent like a certain point but uh, especially if you have to work in-house or with fellow team members uh yeah communication is key yeah no i, I can imagine um and, and i think i've i've worked in similar situations with similar 
um, types of people where um, you know how you communicate something is almost more important than the thing itself. Um, but yeah, no, really cool. Um, so just to sort of, I mean, you've you've given some great tips and and um, it just just in the lessons that you've learned yourself. Um, but if you used to summarize, you know, if you used to give advice to um, your younger self, say, um, who is looking to to do go through a rebrand for the first time, what sort of tips would you give? Right, that's a great question. Um, I would say start off with discovery meetings. Uh, do workshops with people that you have you know, need to pick their brains from. Um, talk about goals, competition, scoping, timeline, budget. Basically, create a like a strategy or a project planning before you touch any design or any brand assets at all. Um, communication with team members very crucial. Uh, you need to create a ideally a, a company wiki that, that you can do that in Notion and establish SOPs like standard operating procedures. Um, process like a, a decent project management system could be asana could be ClickUp, could be uh even in notion for all i know research super important uh it, it would it's, it's something that you can do yourself but it's also something that you can pretty easily uh outsource on upwork it saves you a lot of time um lots of interviews uh to users customers and st internal stakeholders and once you've all got that all down, start with visual strategy. You can create mood boards. Uh, that's this is like design one on one. I would say mockups, concepts, uh, identity. You can write an identity story and work on your positioning. And then, like in terms of production, if you really have to create tons of assets, I would create a DAM, meaning a digital asset management system. Um, maybe you know Binder or, or Frontify. They are very expensive, I would say. I think they're like if, if you take an enterprise membership or uh, license, it's I think it's even like three to four k a month. But you have to calculate the difference between putting a couple of FTEs on it and uh, make this whole brand scalable, or you put it in a dam like that and enable people like non-design people to create their own banners for instance and that's going to save like tons of hours as well sure so that's like a a calculation that you have to uh consider as well uh ticket system if you have to deal with a lot of creative requests and i know that a lot of designers have this problem or challenge uh you need to create a process and a system that uh yeah. Uh, accepts these these kinds of tickets and also guides people through how you would like to receive feedback because if you get emails and maybe even whatsapps or slack messages or themes or loom videos it's going to be a complete mess right you can't even uh, start to manage uh, people's expectations because it's all over the place so yeah establish a great system for this and uh, for accepting creative requests yeah another point basically another repetition of communication uh, have a monthly risk retrospective uh, don't just look at the visuals but also check analytics uh, check in with other teams maybe you know establish okrs and that's pretty much it yeah that would be my like if i were to work for another company like this that would be my uh, rebranding process yeah no i love it yeah just sort of a, a nice clear path there um 
that I'm sure is no easy task, but uh, at least there's a bit of structure to it, right? Definitely. Cool. We we mentioned at the start um, that you're um, now providing uh, like freelance services, uh, and you're also um, offering coaching services uh, through LinkedIn. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, what it is you do and uh, and how you can help people at the moment? Absolutely. So. I still take on branding and design projects, meaning uh, identity branding, uh, brand identity, I would say, uh, brand strategy and creating websites. And I mostly do this for uh, SaaS companies and tech companies. Um, but I'm also opening my, my doors for creators because now like I've been so invested in LinkedIn that I, I see a lot of opportunity there. Um, so that's that's what I would call the, the remote agency because I run this thing like a one-man show, but I still work with a remote team. Um, so no office anymore, uh, no uh, full-time employees, just me and uh, proper systems to to create, create good stuff. So everything that I learned there in the agency model is something that I also teach people one-on-one. -on -one. So uh, about seven or eight months ago, when I also started doing stuff on LinkedIn, I, um, founded this mentorship, business mentorship uh, company. And I work with designers, I work with SEO specialists and other people in the marketing space who are uh, mostly like freelancers and wanna do this solopreneurship thing. Basically what I do uh, for the agency and uh, move away from hourly rates, uh, do wanna familiar, familiarize themselves with their content on LinkedIn and also lead generation on, on LinkedIn and ultimately raise their fees and like find bigger clients, attract like nicer clients. And um, yeah, so it's uh, very complimentary. Yeah, no, it sounds great. Um, and if people want to get in contact with you, um, is LinkedIn the best place to do it or where else can people reach out to you? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn would be the best place to uh, to, to find me. I'm, I'm more, I spent more time than I should, but uh, yeah, that's, that's I think we all do. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for that, Nick. It's uh, it's been really interesting, and um, it's been great having you on. And I'm sure um, there's been lots of value in there for a lot of people um, that will hopefully be listening to this podcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It was fun.